I'm excited this morning uh, to uh, start a new series. How many of you enjoyed the Hero series? It was good. We're starting a new series uh, today uh, called Gifted. And we're going to do about four weeks on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then three or four weeks on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times when I say, but before I do that, I just felt like I, I didn't do this the first service. So you guys are blessed coming to the second service, right? The first service, I went to my church administrator and said, I want to give some stuff away. What can I give away? And she said, let's give away some shirts. So I think I have this right. If it's not the right size, you can always exchange it. But who's a small? Who, who's, a, who's a small? Oh, man, man, he's still got an arm. Ooh, you see that? Smoke. Okay, how, how about a medium? Who's a medium? Who's a medium? Oh, I don't think I can make the camera guy. Oh. Did I hit the lights? Hey, welcome if you're online. This is kind of what happens in person. I mean, we, we have fun. How about, a, how about an extra large? To me, extra large. Oh. Can, can you do it? Can you catch it? Can you catch it? Oh, he did it. He caught it. Man, he's quick as a cat, man. That's awesome. Okay, I got a book. I got a book. Who wants a book? Readers? Leaders or readers? Come on. Here's a book. Here's a, here's, here's a lady right here on the second. Somebody run that to her. Awesome. I know the author of that book. It's pretty good. Okay, cool. No, I'm just saying. Okay, so the series Gifted. Listen, how many of you, obviously, it was pretty obvious, love to receive gifts? Ed, come on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, come. There you go. Somebody's sitting right in the front row, and she's honest. Amen? No, no, it's, it's crazy because, um, or, or how about as a child, you're surprised by the gift? You know, I remember growing up, and, you know, it would be Christmas, or it'd be your birthday, uh, or whatever, and there'd be a bunch of gifts, and you'd be like, I never know what basically is going to be. There's a mystery. How many of you realize there's not much of a mystery as you get older? Because like, if you're like Robbie and I, I was like, well, what do you want? You know, or what do you want, right? Because you don't want to give her something or give him something that's not, actually, I did something. Okay, I'm going to confess. I did something recently because I was thinking about Mother's Day, and I wanted to just do something really special for Mother's Day. But it was kind of a big gift, and it was kind of out of the box. And I'm like, I don't know if this is good. I'm going to have to ask her if this is okay to give her, which I didn't want to do. But I felt like if I give her this gift, you know, and then basically she doesn't like a bass boat, then it will be, no, see, I'm going to keep you awake. But, but I did that. So, I, so, I, so, so a friend of mine had, had talked about how much fun that he had getting his home coffee roaster. And I'm like, that's a big deal right there. And she, if you know my wife, she loves coffee. Seriously. Like last week, it didn't go over well for her with the guest minister talking about how he didn't like coffee. You know what I'm saying? Robbie was over there manifesting. It was like, no, just kidding. But so I talked to her and I just said, okay, I don't want to do this, but I want to buy this thing and then have it because it's almost like a small appliance, right? I mean, it's not as big as a refrigerator, but it's like as big as a, like a, you know, a, a, as a, as a convection oven or something, right? I mean, it's a big deal. And, and I said, so here's what I'm thinking you uh, about giving you for, for Mother's Day and your birthday, a coffee roaster. And I mean, she had the blank stare on her face. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to go over well then. i got to figure out something else. And then it warmed up. And then she's like, oh, I'm so excited about this. 
But the thing is, is that you get more mature, you don't have the wonderment of the gifts that maybe you did as a, as a child. And, and then once again, we don't, we, we don't give someone a gift that's that's the benefit to us, right? Like I just bought my girl a new four-wheeler, right? Or I bought her a new shotgun, right? Or I, I bought her a new hunting dog. I did. I bought, a, I bought a red setter puppy. Thank goodness she loves that puppy. And that puppy actually sits on her chair more than mine. But think about this. We, we have holidays that demand gifts, that expect gifts. You go to someone's house for the first time. We go to somebody's house for the first time and Robbie will get a gift for them. I mean, it might be a little, whatever, chocolate, flowers. And I'm almost like, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm giving them a gift. And she says, that's what you do. And I'm like, but that's not what dudes do. That's not what guys do. I mean, I'm going to go over to Johnny's and, and you know, I'm, I mean, it'll be like Jesus invite myself over. Hey, I'm going to come over to your house for dinner, right? And I'll bring Smokies or maybe I'll give him a Leatherman, right? I mean, that's not what guys do. Maybe if we did that, we'd get invited more, right? <laughs> because tools are always the man's sick. You know, they say there's five love languages. Tools are the sixth love language for a man. So, uh, amen? Okay. So my wife, um, my wife also budgets for gifts. We have a gift budget, it, you know, especially once we had grandchildren. First one, it was cool. Second one, it was like, oh, this is getting a little, because she just walked through, you know, that would work good for Avi, that would work good for Alec, that would work good for June. And then pretty soon it's like, honey, time out, time out, time out. We have seven of them now. It's getting really expensive. Can we just budget? So we came together and we have a budget for gifts. But gifts are big. Gifts are a huge thing. Gifts are part of every culture. And gifts are embedded in our DNA, so to speak, because God is a gift giver. Think about this. God is a gift giver. It delights God to give. And so it's in us being created in His image. And if you do a search, a word search in the Bible for gift, what you'll find is at least 698 references. Gifts are a big deal. Can you say that? Gifts are a big deal. In James 1, verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect bit gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights whom, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So as we unpack this series, Gifted, as we unpack this, uh, I want to caution you. I want to caution you on two or three things this morning. First of all, the supernatural is not always the most comfortable. Now, our culture is fascinated with the supernatural. Seriously, we're fascinated with superheroes and super this and super that. The church sometimes has been almost apologetic. And I believe that sometimes there's been a proliferation of of, of, you know, just weird stuff, new age stuff, all this stuff, because we haven't pastored the supernatural. We have the only legal access to basically have the supernatural come in and work through us, right? But you don't have to be weird in walking in spiritual things. Weird and spiritual men and women aren't you know, it's it's strange. Sometimes people just have this really weird thing. Well, I got to be spirit. Got to be weird to be spiritual. No, you don't. 
Jesus never came across as being weird, and He was the most spiritual person that walked on the face of the earth. Now, He did stuff that that really stretched people. He said stuff that stretched people. He did things that didn't make people always comfortable, but he, he never came across. The Bible never says, well, Jesus walked the earth. It says that he walked the earth doing good. It didn't say he walked the earth doing good, weird stuff. So if you're spiritual, listen, stop being weird. You don't have to be weird. Just be super natural, right? Supernatural. And as you grow as a Christian, there has to be this transformation and you need to learn to live heaven down. See, we're going to release from who we are where we're plugged in at. So if, I'm, if I'm, my citizenship is in heaven and I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to release things that are heaven down. If I'm walking in the flesh, I'm going to release things that are hell up. Like if I'm walking in gossip, you know, lust, slander, uh, division, anger, rage, those are all hell up stuff. And we're not called to live like that. We're called to put that stuff away. We don't do that. I'm not going to pull and bring an access into the earth from that. This is where I want to bring the access down. Heaven on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're called to do. So Jesus walked the earth. You guys hanging, hang with me? This is the longest introduction ever. Okay? It's all good though. Uh, Jesus walked the earth as a man and yet the power of heaven flowed through him and it wasn't always comfortable. People raised from the dead. Water turned to wine. Now that would be pretty cool to see. You know, fishes and loaves multiplied. You know, uh, blind uh, seeing, the mute speaking, the deaf hearing. I'm not so sure about like the, you know, the, the clay and the mud and the spit, you know, in the eye. You know, that's what the blind person heard. He heard Jesus go, <laughs> right? Come on, it's, it's, that's what happens. But sometimes we're okay with that stuff until it comes to like, even like, well, I don't know about that, like, Demons delivered stuff. That's just like, whoa. It's like, you know, 25% of what Jesus did was actually delivering people that were demonized. Actually, it, it, it says this in Matthew 12, 28. This is Jesus saying this, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come on you. It demonstrates that we're not going to live hell up. We're going to live heaven down, right? Okay, so as we get into this, secondly, the second caution, have you ever watched a child just tear through a pile of gifts and recognize they're so fixated on the gift they lost sight of the giver? I've watched this. I, you know, it's just like, you know, you get everybody out and I got seven grandkids and they have their presents from everybody and they're piling in there and it's just like gluttony happens right there. They're just tearing stuff up and, you know, and all that. And I'm like, and then we wonder why later on they have a problem with materialism. I'm just saying this. It's like, seriously. But if you think about this, we can't lose sight of the giver because the goal is not the gift, but the goal is the giver. And thirdly, we have to put as much balance and as much premium on the fruit of the Spirit as the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, you need to hear me. 
uh, the fruit of the Spirit as the gifts of the Spirit. I have a little meme to show you up here. That's true. And I'm telling you what, you know, gifting without character is dangerous. And character is amazing, but it's also got to have the empowerment. Because the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You can't fight a natural fight. You know, I, I mean, you can't, you can't fight a spiritual fight with natural resources. We, we are called to be resourced. And there can be a great imbalance in whatever camp you're in. We, we, we need to find the balance. Spiritual gifts don't make you elite. I, I can't hardly stand that. It, it's just something in me. It's like, you know, number one, you didn't earn them. They were given. They were given. That was God's prerogative to give you. And so you can't walk in this because the problem is sometimes our pride goes up and, oh my gosh, you know, look how, look at, I, I remember one time uh, I got a really, uh, a friend of mine years and years back, he was telling me a story about being in a place and they were speaking over this gal and she was just like, I mean, and he asked her her name and, you know, he said, you know, he said her name was, you know, Slew and, and whatnot. It was pretty cool and, you know, whatever. And then later on, he's feeling so good. So he's talking to the pastor. He's just like, hey, pretty cool. What happened, huh? Because, I mean, you know, he was moving and God was moving through him. And she was, she was, she was getting freed. She was getting healed. And, uh, and, and, yeah, you know, what happened with, like, Slew? Pastor looks at him like, Slew? Who's Slew? Oh, it's Lou. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Spiritual giftings do not make you elite. And sometimes in the church what we have done is we have sacrificed character for gifting. We, we, we have seen that, that person that you know, spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-formed and they're doing this and then we basically we, 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 we just don't hold them to the character. We need to have both. They need to be used in a way, gifts that's decent and in order, as the Apostle Paul writes to the church. And finally, you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are streams of Christianity that are comfortable with the Father and with the Son, but not the Holy Spirit. It's true. Or the, like the King James would say, the Holy Ghost. Like the Holy Ghost. I'm like, you know, you know sometimes you, you kind of get into that stream sometimes. It's like it's all about the ghosted people. It's like you got to have a relationship. You have to have a relationship. You have to, you have to learn how to walk. And, and, and it's like, you know, they're, 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 they're not comfortable because like one of those ghost people might show up like, you know, crazy Uncle Larry showing up and making you uncomfortable. But just as we need a solid father-son theology, we need a solid theology of the Holy Spirit. And with that theology comes a relationship. The role of the Holy Spirit in the early church was undeniable, but later that truth and relationship needed to be recovered to some extent. Truth recovered. Now let me give you an example of an earlier truth that the early church walked in but needed to be recovered later. And that was salvation by faith. What happened was 
that after the death of the apostles, salvation by faith really changed to salvation by faith plus works. It was faith plus works. It was your works that got you into salvation. And it wasn't until this courageous Martin Luther in the 16th century took a stand to recover the essential doctrine of justification by faith that your salvation is never earned, but that the just shall live by faith and that works are a natural byproduct of that faith. That was the truth recovered. There's also been a recovery of the role, the activity, and the giftings of the Holy Spirit. So I want to unpack some things. So that's my introduction. Are you ready to go? Okay, you ready to go? Okay, John 16, verse 13 through 13, John 16, verse 13 through 14. Jesus said this, however, when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So we have to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. It says in verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So we see there's a this Holy Spirit conduit in a way through God's people and through the church. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus, and yet Jack Hayford, Pastor Jack Hayford writes this, those words have never removed the right of the Holy Spirit to show himself. So the Holy Spirit mirrors, think about this, I never really considered it like this, but the Holy Spirit mirrors or duplicates the work in the church and on the earth that Jesus did. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. When you see the work of the Holy Spirit, it should remind you and show you who Jesus is. That's the consistent work of the Holy Spirit. So when you see prophecy, you see signs, you see wonders, you see words of knowledge, word of wisdom, miracles, healings, that was all part of the ministry of Jesus And the Holy Spirit is still moving that on a greater scale. And that's what Jesus said. He said, greater greater things that you will do, right? And so uh, spiritual gifts, number one, declare the presence of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts declare the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the fruit of the Spirit declare the character of the Holy Spirit. And I love this in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Paul writing to a church that had embraced the Holy Spirit and embraced the stuff. They were a wild church. There was stuff going on that he needed to correct because everything must be done decently and in order. Just because you're opening up and allowing the Holy Spirit to move, it doesn't mean it's a free-for-all. That's what Paul was writing to this church. And he says this, he says in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now another translation says, actually, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, that's a harder word. But I actually think that's the word that he was using. He said, stop being ignorant. You guys are all being weird and silly and you're out of order. Let me show you basically the role and how to work. How many of you realize, have you ever gotten a tool and you didn't really know how to use it? That's typically men. What we do, I did it the other day. I opened this thing up and I got a new gadget for my whatever. And it was like, okay, I'm not even looking for the instructions. I'm just going to try to put it together and see if I have any parts left over. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how we roll, right? I got a whole bucket. Do you have a bucket of parts in your shop? I have a bucket of parts in my shop, leftover parts. And it concerns me at times. 
because I'm like, oh, I hope that four-wheeler don't break down on the way up the mountain when I really need it because there's a couple bolts there that I never put back in. You know what I'm saying? So there needed to be instruction. So let me, let me just, come on, this is kind of teaching mode. Take notes if you're taking notes. Be good, bring your Bible, bring your notebook, take notes, take them on your phone, take them on your iPad, whatever you need to do. Spirit-filled is a term that's used to describe a stream of Christianity that still believes the Holy Spirit moves and empowers in the same way that we see the early church community. That's when you hear that, that stream. That's what they're saying. If I say I'm a Spirit-filled Christian, I'm basically saying I believe Holy Spirit is still active and moving today. Now, there's a stream that believes the Holy Spirit no longer moves as it did in the early church. I mean, they believed in the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe that the signs and miracles and wonders and all of these things work, and, and that would be called uh, cessationism. It's they, the whole activity of the Holy Spirit has ceased. We don't believe that the gifts have ceased at all. In fact, that if they, my, my conviction is if they were needed for the early church, to raise, to equip, to bring maturity. The church today needs all the empowerment that God wants to give us. I, I just like looking at it, it's like we, we, need, we need everything that God wants to give us. And the Pentecostal slash charismatic streams and denominations of the body of Christ are those who believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit have not ceased. And honestly, there's really no evidence in Scripture, in history, or practice uh, that tell us that, or even experience, we find that it's still relevant. We don't see it in Scripture. In fact, if these things were going to be limited or cease, I'm not sure why the Apostle Paul dedicated so much teaching to the proper operation and function of them. I read this blog recently from a, a man named Sam Storms. Uh, he writes, We must also remember that God mercifully blesses us both with what we don't deserve, and what we refuse and are unable to recognize. I'm persuaded that numerous churches today who advocate cessationism experience these gifts, but dismiss them as something less than the miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit. For example, someone with the gift of discerning spirits may be described as possessing remarkable sensitivity and insight. Someone with the gift of a word and knowledge is rather said to have deep understanding of spiritual truths. Someone who prophesies is said to have spoken timely encouragement to the needs of a con congregation. Someone who lays hands on the sick and prays successfully for healing is told that God still answers prayer, but the gifts of healing are no longer operative. These churches wouldn't be caught dead labeling such phenomena by the names given them because they're committed to the theory which such phenomena doesn't exist. I like the term spirit-empowered, and we, we've seen it twice, uh, as it describes not only being filled with the Holy Spirit, but having access to the Holy Spirit. Walking as a believer, but denying the access of the Holy Spirit is like trying to do that job or go on that journey without the proper tools or proper equipment. So I want to unpack this series, Gifted, this morning. We're going to start... <laughs> That's still an introduction. Seriously. We got time. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-11. Paul writes this. Remember, he started out by, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now he's, 
he's kind of unpacking that. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of service, but the same Lord, varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. Somebody say empower. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now that word right now, I think in a way, we've, it's a trigger word for some people. Manifestation, oh my goodness. Manifestation. But listen, it simply means the open showing. It simply means to openly show. So, to eat, for each one is given through the Spirit, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and all of these are empowered, somebody say empowered, by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. These aren't the only gifts that we're going to unpack in this series. There are gifts mentioned in Romans chapter 12, uh, which include teaching, exhortation, giving, hospitality, administration. Who would have thought administration was a gift? But it is. There's gifts that we see are given by the character uh, in the Trinity of the Father and of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, first First of all, he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the what? Equipping the empowering of the church. So we see that within the Trinity, there's actually three different categories. Uh, some scholars say, well, there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some basically say there's 18. We're just going to do our best to unpack this thing. There's no, I mean, there's good people on both sides that are trying to figure this thing out. We're just going to walk together and see what the Word of God says. Amen? So um, here's my story. I was raised up in a conservative church, conservative stream, cessationist stream, and I loved God, and I'd come into my life to God, and what, I, what I'd found is like there's still something I just feels kind of missing in my life, and I felt like, you know, I would read passages of Scripture like Acts chapter 2 or 1 Corinthians 12, 13 to 14, or Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and, and, and I was like, uh, we don't seem to be really you know, talking about those things. We don't seem to be unpacking those things. I don't seem to be, actually, back in the day, I wrote a lot of songs, and I actually wrote a song called Doing the Stuff. You know, are you doing the stuff? Because that was, to me, was the stuff. What's the stuff? What's this stuff that we're not doing, that we're not seeing? And I saw exciting passages of Scripture that were never taught on, and it made me wonder if there was more that I was missing. So we went to, Robbie and I had got married out of uh, high school and we hit the road playing rock and roll. That's what we were doing, man. We were going to like, you know, hit me with your best shot, Barracuda. You know, we're all the rock and roll forever, right? And, and I, uh, you know. And, and we were going to Portland because we had an agent down there and, and, and the Lord was really like pulling me to recommit my life to the Lord, and she'd given her life to the Lord, and so we kind of, okay, we're going to go to Portland, and a friend of my mom's who was a pastor, he said, you need to go to this church called New, New Song. So we went to New Song down in Portland. We walked in, and it was like, something is different. I mean, it would resemble the church service that we had today. People, just music and songs and worshiping, but you could just feel something that was different. I'm like, what is this? What is this? I was like, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit being welcomed. It's like 
crazy Uncle Larry was not only welcomed, but he was expected to show up. Right? And I'm like, oh, you know, and then I started, I started recognizing, I, I recognized that I didn't understand it, but I wanted it. And we have a, a Larry in our church, and I already apologized to him. He's not, he's not crazy. Well, maybe. I don't know. But I, I wanted it, and I needed it, and I received it by faith. And then much like following Jesus, it's a journey to understand and foster a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that was the first time that I heard the term baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'd never really heard that term before. It's like, what is that? But I recognized that there were some early followers and early disciples in the church who had the same experience. So let me unpack a couple stories. We're going to go to Acts chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, But when they believed... Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized and men and women alike. And then we go down to verse 14. It says, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 16, for they had, for he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, had not fallen yet on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm like, wow. So there was people who were followers, but there was a second, some, 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 some streams will call it a second grace. But they had had an experience. They were followers. They believed. They received. They opened their hearts. But now there was something different. There was something more that God had for them. Remember that John the Baptist said that he baptized with water, but one would come after him that would baptize with fire. Huh, I think that, well, you know, when you look in the Bible, there's, there's rules of interpretation. And uh, it says that Scripture interprets Scripture. And what you want is you, you don't want to just pull one Scripture out and make a doctrine. You actually have to, where's the supporting story? Where's the supporting scripture? So we're going to go to Acts chapter 19. You realize that the original Pentecost was Acts chapter 2. So this is, you know, timeline, 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 timeline. Acts chapter 19, 1 through 6. It happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, that Jesus passed through the upper country and came, that Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. What are disciples? They are people that have believed. They are followers, right? And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to them, no, we've not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what, were you, what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Okay, cool. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who's coming after him. That is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying, which was proof that the Holy Spirit was present. Remember, signs and wonders are proof that the Holy Spirit is present. And remember that how Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now I want to break that apart because there's a reason that I, that I basically opened with that. The Greek translation of common good means advantage and bringing together. Advantage 
and bringing together. So let me read it again with that translation. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the advantage and the bringing together. Unfortunately, the church has been divided over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Divided over the signs and the miracles and the wonders and the tongues. Here's the issue though. Tongues were just another way that the Holy Spirit was declaring Himself to be on the scene. And the same apostle, Paul, wrote that he spoke in the tongues of men, which, which, which could be understood, and the tongues of angels, which is a heavenly language. I met a, a young missionary intern back in the day. First mission trip I went on to was back in, in London. And her name was Judith. She was from Brazil. And she was probably 17, 18 years old. And it was interesting because when you talked to her, you could not really understand her. I mean, it was like hard to kind of walk through the dialect, you know, you, the, the accent. You ever, ever had somebody that you, they're, they're speaking English, but their native tongue is something else. And so they're, so it was hard. And then the pastor basically said, and we were talking about just the filling of the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit. She says, I want, I want you to listen. She pulled, a, she pulled a cassette out. That's how long ago it was, cassette, y'all. <laughs> hey, listen, I was back in the deal where it was an A-track tape in your car. The young people have no idea what I just said. That was just like needs to be translated. <laughs> but what, 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 what the pastor did was pull out a tape where this young girl had been praying out loud in the spirit, in, in a tongue, in her native Brazil, in a prayer service. And he played that. He recorded it. And you could hear her as clear as you can understand me today. It was crazy. And she was interceding for the United States, praying the spirit of abortion would be broken. Praying for states, naming them by names. I'm like, that is God. Do I understand all of that? No, I don't. But here's the thing. We get so tied up. There's people like, I'm good with the miracles. I'm good with the healing. I'm good. But you know, tongues, I, I tend to see to just use the word spiritual language. Because listen, if we, if we see that Jesus basically raised the dead, we see him healed the blind, the sick, the lame, uh, resurrected, all of this kind of stuff, why wouldn't we have the faith that the same spirit that was in Jesus would actually give us access to a heavenly language? It doesn't bother me at all. Now, do I get hung up on it? No, I don't. You want to shit about a Honda who untied my bow tie all you want? That's okay. But you but listen, because it doesn't make you more spiritual. It just means that there's an access that God gives you. And it's a gift. It's a gift. Don't get hung up on it. Because it has been absolutely a divisive thing. Pastor Jack Hayford stated this. He said there's over 6,000 languages on the earth plus Heavenly languages. That's what Paul said. I speak in the men, in the tongues of men and angels. So it's like, that's not a big deal. I don't get freaked out. Can I just say this? You guys have an exchange student living in your home. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't get freaked out when I'm uh, uh, you know, somewhere else and I hear somebody from another language, continent, whatever, speaking in German, speaking in Italian. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me because that's the language, right? Well, I don't get freaked out when I hear somebody basically speaking in, an, in a heavenly language. 
Because it's there. How can we have faith for this but not have faith for that? But, but the problem is, we can't, we can't, you know, I know one brother that basically his testimony is, I should have asked him if I could share this, but his testimony was that basically he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he basically started speaking in a heavenly language. He recorded it, went home. He thought it was a heavenly language. He translated it, found out it was actually in Hebrew. I've heard that more times than you can count. It's like there's a supernatural thing. And sometimes we are natural and we're not. We're out of our comfort zone. We get out of our comfort zone. And yet the Bible, think about this. Think about how uncomfortable it was for, like Pastor Stephen did a great job about saying, hey, sometimes we look at the, uh, the men and women of old and, and we just, we get so numb to it. We relegate them to like figures in VeggieTales. But you're thinking about Abraham. You're thinking about how Moses, how God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And you're thinking, that would be strange. That would be out of my comfort zone. Or how about that basically Moses has this staff and, and God says, throw it down and it turns into a snake. And he picks it up and it turns back into a staff. Tell me that wouldn't like creep you out a little bit, right? But that's the supernatural God that we serve. Or Moses, you know, they, God told him to put his hand inside his rope. Pull it out, and it was leprous. Put it back in, it was healed. I don't know about you, but I'd have been practicing that thing all over the place. That would be an amazing party trick right there. You know, just show up and like, how do you like me now, right? But that's the supernatural God that we do, but we get so like we're such in a box. And this is a journey. Paul was talking about this. He's talking about, whether I pray in the Spirit or I pray with understanding. He says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and I will also sing with understanding. Now, I just don't want us to get hung up on this stuff. The main thing is you seek the giver. And whatever God wants to do, He's going to do. And some Pentecostal streams believe that tongues are the only evidence of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. That's not my conviction. Because what I see is that there's, I've seen people that walk with new boldness. I've seen people that can walk in a prophetic way with a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and they don't walk in that, in that you know, language of, of heaven or whatever. So I'm not going to judge that. If somebody tell, hey, you come up and like, I, I just don't, I don't know what it's all about, but I just want more. And God touches your life. Listen, I'm not going to judge whether he does or not, because we find that if we ask, number one, well, let me go back to this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Tran original translation was to bring together advantage. So I get to a place where I didn't understand it, but by faith I wanted to walk in whatever God would provide to me. And Jesus told them it was to your advantage that He would go because He would send the Holy Spirit. So maybe, I guess I need my worship team up here. We've got like two minutes. Maybe you're here and like, and you were like I was, or some of the early disciples that were followers, they were believers, and became aware that there was more. And in the next few weeks, we're going to unpack for you being gifted, being equipped, and what that really means for you.
And in closing, you might be someone who has a be like I was, has just a hunger. It's like, okay, I've been walking in this. I understand this. I understand Jesus. I have a faith, but there's got to be something more. And I've been comfortable with the Father. I've been comfortable with Jesus. And we know in the Trinity, three in one, but I haven't been comfortable with that mm, aspect of the Holy Spirit because I don't want to be weird. I, I, listen, there's not a fear thing. There's not a fear thing. It, it, it's basically the relationship that God wants to have with you. Is he, wants to, he wants you to be able to walk in a relationship with the giver. And that's Jesus. And then what he gives is the gifts and the Holy Spirit and the relationship that you have there. And, and a lot of times what happens, you go, well, if I ask, well, in Matthew 7, 7 through 9, Jesus said this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his sons ask for a loaf, will give him a stone? So today's message is entitled, The Giver. And the first thing that I want to give you an opportunity this morning is to give your life to this Jesus. The greatest gift that you can receive is the gift of salvation. That's the greatest thing that God gave. God so loved the world that He gave. That's the heart of the giver. That He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believed would not perish but have everlasting life. And what we find is when we believe, not just this intellectual thing, but when we believe, the Greek word is persuade, and what it means is that that kind of belief, you're actually saying, I'm stepping into a, I'm exchanging my loyalty from the old kingdom into the new kingdom. I'm actually taking a step of faith and belief and decision in my heart that takes me from, honestly, can we just be honest, from living hell up to living heaven down. That's the heart of God towards us. He says, man, sons and daughters, I know there are people here this morning that you have struggled, you have wondered, you might know some things about God, but it is the day for you, uh, the day of salvation for you to just take that step of faith. Do you know everything? No, you don't, but this is the journey. This is the step that you take. I've been married to my wife for 42 years. I still don't know everything about her, but when I covenanted with her when I took the step to say yes we will become one then it became a journey of learning and it's the same thing with Jesus you take the step by faith and you might be here this morning or you might be online with us and you might feel like man I just feel something different and I've kind of known about that but I've never really taken the step Jesus said this in in, in the book of Revelations behold I stand at the door and knock and if any man hears me and opens the door I will come in and then you have that change of loyalty, that transition that goes in a different way. And here's the reality is the only handle on the door of your heart is on the inside and only you can, only you can open it up. So if that's you this morning and you're saying, I want to make that decision, open the door of my heart, give my life to this Jesus. I just want you right where you're sitting, just wave at me. We want to celebrate with you. I want to agree with you. You say, hey, listen, you know, I've heard it said, it's so true. This is the place where it should be easy to do. 
<laughs> right? So, uh, and Jesus did say this. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. So it's a good thing. Is there anyone this morning that would say, today I want to open the door of my heart and give my life to this Jesus? Anyone here this morning? Anyone online? There's a link. And you can click the link. And we will reach out to you.